Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto Podcast. This is episode 46. And today we are interviewing Doug Reynolds. Now, Doug is the event coordinator, the founder of Low Carb USA. Now, Jackie, as you know, I've been a couple of times to the the States um, for conferences and I was really intrigued to hear Doug and his story, how he came to, you know, coordinate and um, event manage the Low Carb USA because, as you know, when you go on holiday, you've only got such a short time. So I ended up going to Low Carb uh, Breckenridge and I never got to a Low Carb USA. They were always on my radar. But, um, yeah, and you you almost got to one, didn't you? I did, I did. So that was in 2019, and I had one week um, between our holiday in Florida, and I needed to be in Canada for an event there. And I had one week, but I'd already said to my friend who lives in Northern California that I was going to visit her, and I just worked out, and it would just have been out in that one week. I would have only five days I needed to go down to San Diego one to fly down three to be there and one to fly back and I just thought no I said I'm going to see my friend I haven't seen her for eight years or so so I just decided not to go to low carb USA and to stay in northern California but that's not to say that you know these are missed opportunities because it's really great that Doug has built a community. So not only has he done that for um, you know in terms of education, but also as we'll hear around health professionals as well. But with every good story and every journey, you know his journey as well, how he's sort of come into the the low carb keto space is really interesting. So why don't you tell us a bit more about Doug? So Doug Reynolds is the founder and CEO of Low Carb USA and president of the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. Low Carb USA provides a platform for internationally renowned scientists and medical practitioners to present the ever-increasing body of evidence on the benefits of reducing carbohydrates in the diet and adding in healthy fats. It has now evolved into one of the primary resources for the low-carb community. This includes a huge library of educational videos, a growing database of practitioners and dietitians and sports trainers who are open to the low-carb restriction conversation, as well as a searchable database for papers and articles covering the research into the evidence of supporting this lifestyle. The SMHP 
is a non-profit for practitioners focused on metabolic health and they have a panel of advisors to oversee the creation and maintenance of a set of clinical guidelines for therapeutic carbohydrate restriction, which was first published in May 2019. The SMHP also defines numerous pathways for accreditation and the forums encourage open discussion, which helps establish standard of care around carbohydrate restriction. Great. Welcome, Doug, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And we always start by asking our guests, where in the world are you? So I'm in San Diego in the United States. Um, Lovely. Great. I bet it's nice and warm there. It, uh, it's starting to warm up. Yeah, well, for us, it's warming up. Um, uh, you know, everybody else, it's like boiling hot for them. But uh, yeah. <laughs> We're getting into we, summer now. The weather's starting to really get turn nice. Yeah, good. So um, tell us a little bit about you. And I know that you were an endurance athlete. Probably, are you still an endurance athlete? Um, no, I'm, 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 I haven't been um, running distance like that for, for, for quite a while now. But I try to, I try to keep running um, because I feel that's like part of, part of trying to, to stay healthy. I, it's not part of this lifestyle, I, you know, that, that, but I still think that being fit and, and in good shape um, is important. So I, I try to keep running, but I'm not running you know, hundreds of miles a week and stuff like I, like I used to. So maybe, maybe start by explaining how you used to carb load and, and the, the thinking behind that and all that where you started and then perhaps lead into how you found out about low carbon keto and yeah that's that's Tim Noakes's fault i uh and i mean i i started running and um actually when i was in the army i, I started running to get out on pass because if you ran and races and rep, you know in your defense colors then uh, you got the weekend off and um i i started <clears throat> to read tim's the law of running and all of that sort of stuff and became more and more interested in, in trying to run comrades one day, which is a mega long race in South Africa. That's kind of a cult there. And, um, you know, Tim talked about how important carbohydrates were and, and this whole concept of carb loading before a race and that kind of thing. And so that's what m most runners still today believe. And, and those, that's what they follow. And I, I always say, you know, I, I always say I, I used to feel like I was exquisitely fit. I got, I got into a shape where I thought I was going to have a really, really good run. And then I, for three days before, I'd be eating all these carbohydrates and stuffing them in my face. And on the day of the race, I felt shocking. Um, and I always used to put it down to nerves. I always used to think like, I, 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 you know, I was freaking out about this huge race I was about to run. And I, I look back now and I realize that that's not what it was. I was literally poisoning myself with, with excessive carbohydrates before the race. Mm. Um, you know, and then, I, and then in later years, I, I, I just started, started to put on weight. And it didn't matter how much, I, uh, how much I ran. I just got my knees got more and more sore. And I just kept putting on a couple of pounds a year, you know, until at one point I was horrified when I got on the scale. 
And you were running, You, I think I heard you say you were running over 100 miles a week. So um, it's not as if you just going for a short run around, no, around the no, block. No, no, no. You know, I would get over 100 miles a week when I was like in the peak training for comrades. But, you know, 50 miles a week was, you know, that's what, 80 Ks. Um, that was that was like my bread and butter throughout the, the off season, if you want to call it that. Um, and still, you know, 50Ks uh, or 80Ks a week is not, uh, is not chump change. You know, it's, it's, it's a decent amount of running. And I, it just didn't, it didn't, it just, the weight wouldn't, wouldn't stay off. You know, it just, it just kept, I, I remember we moved to a new place and I, I looked in the mirror and I thought the, these mirrors, this, this mirror's bent because <laughs> I don't look like that, I, I, you know, and I, and I was in denial. I literally wouldn't believe that I had actually started to fill out and become like a, like a barrel almost, you know. Um, and, uh, and then one day, I, like I said, I got on the scale and that, and that was, a, that was a, an epiphany because it was like, okay, I really have put on a bunch of weight here. I need to, I need to try and do something about it. So and what that did was, you do? Well, that was, you know, it was, it was funny that that happened. I, and literally a couple of days later, I got an email from somebody, an old friend of mine that uh, he, he was actually part of a new company and he was trying to sell me exogenous ketones. And I didn't even know what a ketone was. So I, I started doing a bunch of research about it. Um, the, the email's subject was um, ketones, an alternative source of fuel to glucose and so at that stage i was really battling to run i was really battling to keep my weight off my knees were really sore and it was like okay maybe there's something here and so i started studying it and I, like i said i didn't even know what a ketone was i learned about ketosis and all of that stuff and within about three weeks of burying myself in the science it was like okay this explains everything this explains all that stuff back in when in when I was fit and strong and running really well that I still had on the day of the race felt terrible <clears throat> and um, and it was all a result of, of these carbohydrates and and maybe I should try this change and so and so I just decided to pull the trigger that this little company um, wasn't selling well they were selling them but they'd run out because it was brand new. And so I couldn't even order any of these exogenous ketones. So I, but I'd learned so much that I thought, why not just do the diet? And, um, and so I started doing it. And I, I, I dragged Pam along to the store, which was horrifying for her because, like, I, I, you know, I never went into the kitchen. I never did any of the shopping. I never had anything to do with it. You know, and she did it all. So now she's saying, like, I was dragging her to the store. And not only that, but I even had a list. You know, and uh, <laughs> um, so we went around and we bought all of the stuff like fatty meat and, and you know, full cream yogurt and um, heavy whipping cream and all of these, all of these keto type things and um, went home. And I, I still remember the, the, the very first, very first meal I ever cooked was a couple of ribeye steaks that I went outside and cooked on the fire and I came back in. And not only was there all this fat in amongst the meat, which was like absolutely a no-no for me, you know, um, but there was like fat like slushing around in the bottom of the plate even. 
And I actually started giggling. It was like, am I seriously going to eat this thing? Yeah. Um, I, and, and I literally had to gag it down the first few bites because I, my brain was so programmed against fat that it, it almost was like a gag reflex, you know? And, um, but like I got like three quarters of the way through it and I was like, whoa, this actually tastes really good. Because now the minute the fat's back in, in, you know, in the equation, suddenly everything tastes so much better. Um, and what year was this? So that was uh, 2015, about the middle of the year, July about, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've been so brainwashed with this low fat. I, I say even me that never really believed it and never really, well, I probably, I believed it, but I didn't do it. I still ate all the fat. I still ate the skin of the chicken. But I just felt bad about doing that yeah. because that's the tasty bits, aren't exactly. they? Exactly. the tasty bit. Yeah. Um, everything's so cardboard once you take the fat out of it everything tastes like cardboard so, yeah so that was the beginning yeah so did pam start with you she she kind of did but she was a lot more hesitant because she hadn't done all this research that i had been doing over the last three weeks um i just kind of talked about it a couple of evenings um but and she definitely wasn't on board in terms of believing that this was a real, a good thing. But, um, so she was always like, she had these things in her staples and her oatmeal in the mornings with the banana and all that kind of stuff. She was, she was still doing that. But, um, when she started to see the, the improvements in me, um, she, she became more, and, and she was learning as, as we got, went along and, and became more and more aware of, of what I had learned already. And so, um, yeah, she was she was a bit behind the, the curve from as, than I was, but but she got on board pretty quickly. What were the improvements? Yeah. What oh, were yeah. The so um, that that that, sh that she saw, and then and also, what did you see? Okay. So uh, one of my biggest things that that um, I noticed was we used to do. Uh, martial arts training at, at that time and in, instead of doing four days a week um, we did two days a week but we did two back-to-back -back classes each time so it was like 90 minutes of I, I you know we used to finish at eight o'clock at night or get home at eight o'clock at night and I was absolutely shattered from from these workouts and and I, I would drag myself to bed and get up in the morning and I literally had to crawl to the toilet and and I would, I remember sitting there and thinking, man, I'm getting old. This is this is terrible. And within about three weeks, I'd say of of starting this diet, um, I was bouncing out of bed in the morning and, and and putting on my shoes and going for a run. Um, that to me has been one of the biggest things is is the um, the recovery from from anything and you know over time now it's become i've realized that it's a your recovery ability from from anything is so much better but for me back then it was it was from you know an extreme effort and how quickly i i, I was able to recover um my weight started coming down you know really quickly as well um 
the brain fog thing people talk about. I I noticed, like I've mentioned to you before, when we were off air earlier, that that I started waking up at four thirty in the morning, like literally ready to go and sit down and start working. Um, you know, I've never been somebody that that responded well to coffee or anything. I I, I still drink it because it it tastes like I, I enjoy it, but it's not. It doesn't do anything. The caffeine doesn't do anything for my brain. It doesn't it doesn't help turn it on. But the changing the way I ate made a huge difference. And one of the other things that I went back when I was like in my early 20s, I had a, a massive um, motor vehicle accident, had a very severe br- brain injury. And, you know, I've come to, over, over the years, we've come to understand that as traumatic brain injury or TBI. Um, Back in those days, no, we, no, nobody even knew what it was. But it, it it very severely hampered my short-term memory. And I, I talk about, uh, and it happens to me still, that um, if if my if my thought starts to drift off while I'm talking, and it may even happen here, um, that I literally go completely blank and I can't remember what I'm talking about. And sometimes if I if somebody reminds me what I'm talking about, it'll come back. And sometimes it, it never comes back. It's like it's it's just gone. And um, but even other things like like simple words, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to string a sentence together, and it's like I'm I'm clutching at these. I know what I want to say, but the words just don't come. And mm-hmm. I. I, I really struggled with that and I was very afraid to to speak in front of crowds and, and you know or even at work to do a presentation to my colleagues or, or something like that um, and I found when I started doing this that, that it, it hasn't gone away but it has improved immensely and I think one of the other things that that uh, Georgia Ede, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she uh, she talks about the fact that the effect on on um, the emotional state and the mental state, and and how it, it it helps reduce anxiety and it helps reduce fear. Um, and I think that it's helped me tremendously with with that as well. So not only has 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 it improved for me, but I'm also not afraid anymore of it happening to me anymore. And so that's, that's taken mm-hmm. a huge stress out of my life. Um, and I even say, you know, when at that very first conference that I was planning in 2016, um, part one of the thing my to, on my to-do list was to find uh, an, an MC to, to, you know, run the show and, and do the announcing and everything. And I never really came up with, with somebody that I thought would be really good at it. But sort of closer to the time, I started to think to myself, you know what, I can do this. And, and now I get up on the stage, you know, the, we've had conferences as big as 600 people. And I get up on the stage and I do my opening talk and I, you know, through the weekend announce people, you know, all, all the speakers and everything. There's not a way in hell I would ever have got up there before I, I started doing, you know, started with this lifestyle. Um, so to those, those are, those are yeah. the kinds of things that, that, that have changed for me. Um, apart from my, my, 
weight normalizing and all of that kind of stuff. I think for Pam, um, she, she, she noticed the first thing she noticed was like what I talked about in the beginning was like how, how quickly I was recovering from, from those martial arts things and, and, and how quickly my weight was starting to change because that was, had become an, a bit of an issue for her too. Um, those are the first two things I think that she noticed uh, changes in me, you know, as we started this. But yeah, but you should be really proud because they are huge changes, you know, not only that sort of physical stuff, you know, which we can always think, you know, we come for the weight loss, you know, those vanity pounds. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you have been able to, you've really, you know, built some sort of inner strength, um, you know, your cognitive function, you know, that short term memory, the fact that you were able to reduce all that sort of anxiety, you know, a little bit, maybe we all have social anxiety, you know, the fear of public speaking, even for the best of us. But the fact that you have that insight into the fact that was before, you know, that was that was pre-keto Doug, but now post-keto Doug is this new man, totally. you know, he's unstoppable, mm. you know, he's like he's got this, you know, joy de vivre as well because that comes with that lessened anxiety you've got that enrichment and the fact that you had this you know traumatic brain injury which has as you said had a significant impact you know impact on your life because it stopped you from doing Mm -hmm. stuff you were thinking oh i'm gonna have to get someone i'm gonna have to delegate that but then new doug comes along and goes hey i can do this yeah i've got the swag Uh, you know i'm on stage (laughs) But that lends us to the fact that you were saying, well, at this conference. Now, that's a really great segue. So we were, you were talking about, you know, the conferences. So how did you get into the conference? You know, how did that come about? Yeah, so uh, January 2016, it was my birthday and we'd had a, um, we'd had like a, a, gone out with a bunch of people that we, that we worked with, like work colleagues. And, um, you know, that whole thing about the first rule about keto is don't talk about keto. Um, it's like they're so sick of hearing it and everything. So we, we didn't talk about it at, at dinner. But they all left. And it was just Pam and myself, like, left in the restaurant. And we were talking about, again, how amazing it was that the changes that we'd gone through and, and um, why... Um, no, no, I've gone a bit blank here. Um, so I was pounding my fist and and saying, like, we need to put a thousand people in the room because they had these little conferences that were going on with maybe a hundred people. I said, How is it possible that I was 52 years old and I didn't even know what a ketone was like six months ago? It, it's it's just criminal. And what we were doing with work at that time, one of the things that Pam and I was were involved with was putting on these big conferences for this business that we were involved in. And so we knew how to put on a conference, um, but I just didn't know anybody in the, in the keto space. I'd never even been to a, to a keto conference of, you know, they were all pretty small in those days, but I still had never been to one. And, and so I got up the next morning, Pam was still sleeping. And I, I just thought, okay, well, if I can get a couple of core um, high profile speakers, then, then you know, the, maybe we can do something. So I wrote to a couple of people. I wrote to Jimmy Moore 
I wrote to um, Steve Finney and Jeff Folick and Gary Taubes. And all of them, I looked up on their websites or whatever to, to try and find contact details or whatever. And Jimmy got back to me immediately and said, like, how can I help? And I said, well, the one thing is, like, I, you know, I don't know anybody. So if you know any, anybody else who, who might be interested in coming to speak, then, then please introduce me. And he did that, um, you know, and within 24 hours, I had, like, 14, 15 speakers lined up already. It, it was pretty amazing. Wow. Um, Steve Finney was, like, very cagey. Um, and, and, you know, and he said, like, basically, who are you? And, and um, do, do, don't you know that other people put on conferences? Don't you have, you know, how much money have you got? Like, wouldn't you like to rather, uh, if you want to, we love it that you want to support this, this, uh, this concept, but, you know, maybe putting some money into some research or something would, would be a better way to go. Um, which was fine, except that we didn't have any money. So, you know, that, that, that wouldn't work. Um, Steve's become a great friend and um, has talked at many of our conferences subsequent to that, but he didn't speak at that first one. Um, Jeff Folick, who's his partner in crime and a lot of things, he did reply and, and he ended up coming to the conference. Um, and then Gary Taubes, went backwards and forwards, but he responded, but he went backwards and forwards, like, who are you as well? And eventually he asked if he could have a, a, a talk with me, a conference, you know, and like a, a chat on the phone. And I was also very aware at the, at the time of how much he charged for, you know, to, to speak for an hour. So it was like, uh, okay, you know, how much time is this going to take? Um, but we got on the phone and, and I, and I always tease him now when I introduce him and when he comes up to the stage, it's like, it's like I asked to marry his daughter, you know, um, he was like interrogating <laughs> me, but he needed to understand what I was about and whether or not I was even able to, to put this conference on and whether it was going to, he even told me at one point, like he had been invited to speak and the guys had agreed to pay his fee and everything. And he pitched up and there was only literally a handful of people at, at the thing. It was, it was and he said he didn't obviously want to want to be in that in that kind of situation. Hmm. But at the end of the at the end of the the talk or the, our chat, he said, "Okay, if you just if you if you put this thing on, I'll I'll come and speak." And um, and he, and then we said goodbye, and I put down the phone. And Pam had been standing like just to, to in the hallway, just down the down next to me, and I had been on speaker. And I turned and I looked at her and I said, shit, this, like this, this is for real. It's actually happening. And that was the turning point when I, when I realized that we could actually make this happen. Um, that, that after talking to me, his belief in me was, was a catalyst that, that really, you know, then I started now, now I had to establish domains and social media presence. We had nothing. And, um, you know, I didn't put a thousand people in the room. We had it, but we got about three hundred and fifty there, which was more, way more than than any of the other little conferences that had, that were going on at the time. And I, I, people had to talk me off the ledge because I was upset that we didn't get a thousand people. But it was like, 
um, do you have do you, and we put it on in six months, right? We put it on at the end of July, that same year. Wow. Um, start, and then started putting it together in the middle of February. So, um, so that was 2016, but obviously momentum built. Yes. So, you know, you, you, so from, from obviously from the, that little acorn in 2016 with 350 people, what happened in 2017? Yeah. So it was actually one of the vendors that was at our event in 2016. Um, he, was an ex-Air Force pilot, uh, also a, uh, a national level um, triathlete. And one of his buddies that used to also be like a, you know, a national athlete had retired and, and was actually opening a resort in Belize. And he, he approached me and said, like, well, how, about, how about we do something different, like in Belize? And we, we really wanted, we, we really going far down the road in, in planning that. Um, but I, because I'd had so many people write to me and say, why don't you come to the East Coast? Uh, yeah, why don't you come to the East Coast? And, and so we were considering it, but then we thought, okay, well, let's go a bit further East and, uh, and, and let's go, you know, let's do something in Belize. And we were talking about doing like a full immersion thing where people would come in for a week, stay in the resort. Um, this, it had like a, a thatch gazebo in, in the middle of the resort that we would use to do our presentations and stuff, but then have all these different sailing and, and water activities and stuff like that and get people a chance to literally go and be with these speakers like for the entire week. Um, but there, there were a couple of reasons why that, why that kind of fell apart. One of them was that the, the, the resort itself that he was building got taken over by a, by a big company. And and um and they weren't prepared to give us all of these concessions and that that he was prepared to, to give us, but and so we ended up deciding like, but we still want to do something, and we ended up settling on on West Palm Beach in Florida. So we put we put one on in Florida in 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 the January, uh, and it was a little smaller than the San Diego one. Um, time of year, I think, is one of the things the reasons for that but it was a lot more intimate and it was um and for like in the 2016 one i was like just spinning like i was like the whole weekend i was like people couldn't even talk to me because i had so many things juggling trying to make this thing happen um now i'd done it before and there were a few less people it was a little smaller and, and i was sitting there and i started to hear people talking i was i was at the registration table like on my computer at the end but I heard people come in and while they were registering, just chatting with Pam and the other people, the helpers, and talking about how, how, how important this, this was, uh, you know, that to have a place to come and, and be able to talk about this. The one girl was, was literally in tears, like um, saying, like, you know, I shouldn't be here because I've still, you know, supposed to have lost this much weight and I still haven't, but, but I've lost half of, you know, what I planned to. And, but like her family were, were on her back the whole time. Her doctor was, was basically firing her. Um, and, and, but she had read so much in, of, of these um, anecdotes and stuff of other people that had had so much success with this and she, and she wanted to try it, but no one would help her. Hmm. 
and she and she came to this thing and like now everybody that's all they talked about and 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 um it made me realize how important it was to to have a community that because it's not so so it's not just you have you have to wait for a conference to go and 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 have a place where you could be feel safe you know that we needed to have a an ongoing community where people could come and talk and and feel safe and so we became yep. more and more focused on building that community and doing these conferences and things you know as part of that but that wasn't our main focus anymore whereas when we started that was we were just going to do one conference that was it and um the people they had such a good time that they were saying to me on like on on you know, it was only a three day event then so at like friday evening already at dinner they were saying so when's the next one you know when's the next one and i was saying like wait a minute what do you mean like this was this is this a one off they said no no you have to do another one and so i literally stayed up the whole night saturday night building a new web page for uh for the 2017 san diego conference and i announced it on the sunday and i said okay you guys have got a week i'm not telling anybody about it it's only for you because you put your money down and you showed up um you can share this with your colleagues and your friends if you want to but i'm not going to promote it outside of you guys who are here um half price for next year we don't even know who the speakers are going to be but it'll be something similar and uh we sold a bunch of tickets for the next year and and that actually helped us get out of the hotel because i based my whole planning on the fact that we were going to have 1000 people i was convinced that yeah we'll have 1000 people we just have to put it out there and people will come and that didn't happen um yeah so we was we 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 came up very short uh, in terms of the amount of money that we needed to 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 pay for this event at the hotel and uh that collecting that money for the next year's event actually helped us get out the door of the hotel um yeah and then so we did that and then we got invited to do other talks we've done one in Seattle and San Francisco we've Virginia um we even did one in Jakarta in in Indonesia I took a few speakers over there and that was an incredible experience and Pam keeps reminding me now that I think we've done 15 or this is the this one coming up is the 15th we've done 15 and this one is 16th I I forget but uh, yeah so did last year it didn't go ahead in person did it no so we um but you know the thing is like i talked about we collected this money for the next year but we used that money to 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 pay the hotel for for this year and we've been so to put the event on we just ended up in this huge financial hole and and we've kind of just been living in that hole and 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 the, you know as as we collect money for the next event that that debt kind of shrinks a bit and then the event happens and we pay all the bills and it's back out to where it was again but the problem with that is that when this was going to be canceled it was like we don't have cash to 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 pay all these you know refund all of these people these tickets hmm. and so what we decided to do was do a virtual event which we charged for um but we gave all the people that had bought tickets for the for the in person event free access to that to that virtual event and we rolled their tickets over to to the next year's you know event which is the one that's that's coming up now and just 
amazing people, amazing community, not one person uh, gave us a hard time about it. Um, you know, we, we wrote to everyone and just said, look, this is, you know, obviously this pandemic is, is affecting everyone, but, you know, we've been operating in this hole and we don't have the cash flow to, to you know, to offer refunds, but this is how we feel it would be a fair way um, to deal with it. And everyone was 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 on board with that, and um, that's kind of one of the things that you know we're talking about anxiety and, and mental state and all that kind of thing. I think it, so so many of the people in this community are in a good place be, because of it. Um, and the hotel, West Palm Beach Hotel, the second year we did it there, they were, we were having our our meeting at the beginning before the event. She actually told us that, that they had their staff debrief and everything after the, after the first event we had. And those, those staff people are there forever. Like they've been there for 40, 50 years, some of them, you know. They said to her that this was the best event they had had there in all the time that they'd worked there. Wow. Just in terms of, the, of, the, of the, how much they enjoyed it and the attitude of the people and the, the people weren't all rude to them all the time and, and just just everybody's demeanor just the environment in the hotel was so different um that they noticed it enough to to actually mention it to her uh in their debriefing which was actually pretty good to hear yeah that's one of the things i noticed about myself is that i used to be so angry all the time and i was shouting at the kids do this do that and when and it took a while to notice once I changed what I was eating, I just chilled out. I was just like, yeah, okay, you want to fight? Go outside and fight. Don't Just don't involve me. Go away. And my whole demeanor has changed mm-hmm. um, fairly quickly. And I think, yeah, I think that happens with a lot of people. And I can really see how that would be so, you know, in an event that people are just so relaxed. And Yeah, yeah we... Well, Jackie and I were at the Public Health Collaboration Conference in, in London, mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. So once you've got those those like-minded people around you, you're so passionate. So what's your story? You know, what do you eat? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you find this? What did you do? So, you know, we come together as that community around, you know, our life and our lifestyle issues, you know, whatever brought you to, to low-carb keto you know, that storytelling becomes so important. And, you know, whether you're over morning tea and it was always so good at the conferences, you know, having, as you said, the heavy whipping cream for your coffee, um, you know, never had enough heavy whipping cream. They always had to stock it up. But, you know, and the food was so really important, you know, for these events that it became something where we were all willing to share our stories. And, you know, Low Carb USA should be really proud of the fact that they built community you know there was a place that as you said that safe place to come and we were sharing knowledges and stories and you know the community that you built through obviously the connections of as you you know the, the keto gurus there um you know you and your shameless name dropping um was able to obviously spread the message and and, and be able to do that so and obviously, as you said, COVID has changed that a little bit. We've had to, you know, do things differently, but still connecting people, not face-to-face. But, um, yeah, you've been able to do that online and virtually. But is your plan this year to have a have an on, uh, both a stream online and face-to-face presence? Yeah. So we um, 
San Diego opened up again uh, on June 15th. You know, the, the distancing requirements went down. I mean, nobody's wearing masks anymore. And, and um, it's so we we were confident to be able to go ahead with, with an in-person event. But I, I kind of set it up so people could could register for live stream or for the for the uh, in-person event. And then there's another, there's an upgrades option as well. So if people, they can register for the live stream now. And it, once they start to see that things are really opening up and travel's much easier and it's, you know, things are really getting better and then they get confidence enough to, to decide, okay, I want to do this. Then even like the day before they can decide, all right, I can upgrade to the in-person event and, and, and attend it. Um, but we we uh, we can't wait, man. I'm telling you, there's so many people that are, mm. that are just aching to to see each other okay. again. But the whole reason why these conferences have been so much fun and and so um, empowering because because of the support that you kind of feel through the weekend from from everybody else, it kind of rejuvenates you and gives you energy to to keep going through the rest of the year. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as you said, it's those social connections, you know, we're connecting with that like-minded community and particularly in this sort of this COVID times and we've missed people, like I miss people desperately. Mm. But thank you for having the online option because obviously there's people like me, um, obviously remote and we remote into these conferences and it's it's really, you know, really great that we can still feel part of that that connection and community, um, you know, through through Zoom. So that, and I thank you for for sharing that. Um, it's really great. Yeah, we're gonna see. You know, with, when we did the virtual event, like everything was virtual. So I, what I did was record the the talks, but then get the speaker on as it was playing out, so that we could have like a live Q and A, and people would type in their, their questions, and I would put the questions to the speaker. Um, but when it's a live stream at a live event, um, I've had the live stream before, but it's been kind of an afterthought that I've put in like the last few minutes. And we've only had a few people on there. But so what I'm, I might try and do is get someone to do that same thing, like to be online with the live stream people and and maybe let them enter questions and maybe then have someone put those, some of, at least some of those questions to the speaker as well um, on the stage in, in a way so that we can try and get the live stream folks to to feel like they're more engaged and more involved in, in the event, um, even though it's not totally virtual. Yeah. And that's going to open it up to so many more people because you saying California has opened up and that's great. Um, here in the UK, we're just beginning to open up but people are still scared mm -hmm. and also you know there's a lot still a lot of restrictions around travel abroad right. where it's it's all it's virtually impossible it's not impossible but it's it's going to be such a hassle to travel um that i for one am not even gonna even attempt it this year so i think like me there'll be a lot of people that just won't mm. even try to go abroad this year and i i think still getting into america is still quite hard so i think by having the the two options you've got the people in the us that can travel quite easily mm. and then it, you've still got for us people who may i was going to come in 2019 i was in the us at the time it was on and i was in florida and I went, I'd arranged to see my friend in California. So I was going to be in California for a week 
just mm-hmm. the week that the, um, San Diego was on. But it was five days and I only had a week between before having to go to Canada. So I just decided I wanted to see my friend. I hadn't seen her for eight years and she was up in the um, San Francisco area in Carmel. Um, so I didn't come, but I wish I would have done now. But there you go. Yeah, and, and you, um, it's not officially, uh, you know, one of the things that you can do, but some people do write and ask if they can attend for one day. And I normally make some kind of plan. It's not built into our ticketing system, but, you know, I just let them send me a bit of money to to our PayPal account or something like that. And then I manually put them into the system and, and, and print a ticket for them. So, um, you know, you could have come for a day or something if you'd wanted to. Yeah, so it was still a long way. It was still a long way. So yeah. from Monterey to to San Diego. But that's it's an interesting thing because uh, the twice I went to low carb Breckenridge. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it was becoming increasingly um it was a challenge, like especially the challenge of traveling from Australia to to the US where, you know, all these great conferences and it was just basically, oh, how am I going to be able to pack all this in, you know, in in such a, you know, in my vacation time. But what became really interesting because by the time that I was obviously aware of the conference scene in the US and obviously not only how, um, you know, the conferences that were popping up, that the I went to sort of Keto Fest as well, so that was a different kind of community um, involvement mm. that I was participating in. But the fact that low carb Breckenridge was obviously in Breckenridge for skiing, and so um, like Andrew, my partner, went for the skiing, and I came for the conference for the for, for the continuing education, um, you know, credits as well. So um, yeah, that that became became interesting. But for Low Carb USA, it was a different type of market, though, you know, in terms of obviously for Low Carb Breckenridge with, um, you know, Jeff Gerber sort of pitching it at the, you know, the medical professionals, but it was still easily accessible for the, the common, common folk. Um, but Low Carb USA was, the market was more accessible, would you say that? It was a, still a conference, but broader focus? Yeah, I think, I, I think our, our, our target is, is pretty much actually Jeff helped me a lot to, to um, organizing that that very first one. He, he, he was very gracious. Um, we he helped me get the the CME credits available for that so that you can attract the you know the medical professionals. We do we do feel like we would like to. That's our main focus is to try to to reach those those medical professionals. But at the same time. The speakers know that there's going to be a certain amount of um, lay people there, if you want to call them that. Um, they're all keto fan, fan, fanatists, fan, fanatics, um, and, but um, they, they're, they're all the same and they are not doctors. Um, and so the speakers kind of sometimes, if things are a bit complicated or something, they might kind of re-explain and say what that really means is this and explain it in, in more layman's terms so that um, anybody pretty much can can get something out of it. But we do have internationally recognized CME credits now. And um, it's uh, it's really important. You know, when I was talking about that lady crying uh, in the beginning about, about having a place to come, I, I, what we realized even more 
was that the, the, the doctors and stuff needed the same sort of community because they are, we don't realize it, but they are so badly ostracized and, and targeted um, if they adopt this concept into their practice. And for them to have a place to, to come to where they, um, where they can be safe as well and where they can talk with like-minded doctors and physicians and other practitioners um, is mega important as well. So how, how did all this lead into the Society for Metabolic Health and the guidelines that you've created? Yeah, they, they, um, so that was actually, um, I mean, Gary Taubes has been very influential in, in, in our whole um, pathway here. When I was talking to him about coming back to speak at the 2018 event, I think it was, he said to me, why don't you have a session where you get feedback from the doctors that are trying it, um, hear about their challenges and their successes and, and, and some of their failures as well, you know, have like an open session. And I set that up um, and he suggested that I talk to um, a lady called Adele Height, who was an RD that uh, had worked with uh, Dr. Eric Westman and, and other people as well, but had been talking with Gary about a lot of things. He said, why don't you get her to come and mediate this? So he introduced me to her and, and I started talking to her and she just dumped her vision on me. Like she sent me this two or three page um, word document about, but it was all about developing a standard of care for carbohydrate reduction. And um, she explained, and I don't have it with me, but basically she was involved in a, in a, in a lawsuit, a, a malpractice lawsuit. And the judge had to explain to them what standard of care meant. And he, the legal definition of standard of care is, is that it is a, a consensus amongst practitioners in a similar environment with similar training. What they, and it says it, it's, it's not about what they learned at college. It's not about what their professional organizations teach them. Um, and it's not even some kind of written guidelines document. What it is, is a consensus amongst those people, what they actually do in practice. So if you poll 100 doctors about what they would do in this situation, what the majority of them agree is the, is the the course of action that is standard of care mm. and it's 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 so it's an intangible thing it's it's a it's just out there and it just is and you ask a doctor about when do you prescribe a statin for ldl or something like that and they'll know the number they won't even be able to tell you where they where they got that number from yeah because they just they just know it and it's very um, different from what we've been led to believe in a way isn't it it is um so her what but what she was saying to me was, and, and that official legal definition, it says it's not a standard of care document, although that document can contribute to the, to the consensus, right? That, so she said what we need to do is, is write this document um, as a starting point because we want to, we, the, the standard of care of current medicine has, has evolved since the beginning of medicine. Uh, and, but we want to try to, 
escalate that process, you know, so that we don't want to wait 300 years. We need to, we need it now. So um, she, she didn't have a way to, she'd been wanting to do this forever. And so what I did was um, put a panel of advisors together um, of some amazing people, Tim Noakes and um, Gary Fecky from Australia and um, uh, Dave Unwin and, and um, just some Eric Westman and a couple of amazing people. Um, and she, she started writing this document and then she just kept bouncing it off this panel until and incorporating that feedback until everyone was agreed, okay, this has got something that we can, that we can, uh, that we can actually publish. And she, she did that. She, now, she was busy defending her PhD thesis at the same time. And she got this document done in eight months. It was, it was just the most incredible effort. And we published that in, in Seattle in uh, 2019. So, um, but I published it on Low Carb USA. Yep. And, and I already realized that this community was so important and I had established this professional community kind of concept um, to try and make a place for these doctors to be able to discuss stuff and whatever. But Low Carb USA just wasn't the right place for that. And then uh, I got talking with Trocolasian, who's the other half or one of the halves of uh, Low Carb MD. And... Um, he was putting it out there on Twitter, like, we need a professional organization, all of that. And I wrote, I spoke to him and I said, Tro, like, seriously, like, we already have this in Low Carb USA. Let's talk about what we need to do to make it better so that it's, people feel like it's more legit, you know? And, and so we talked about it and kind of realized that what we really needed was a proper nonprofit organization that was a home for metabolic practitioners that's you know i think that's becoming a kind of a term now um and so i started that's i, I started doing it i've learned how to set up a, a non-profit and um i think that was the that, that was the most effort of anything i've done since i started doing this it was just it was so so much work but but i got it established i, I put a um i created a, a board of directors and um and published it and it's now now then we migrated the, the clinical guidelines over now it's got a real home adele is like beside herself but that, that the whole thing's come full circle like this is was her vision like that that's this would exist and and, and now it does um we we had a a, a list of practitioners on on low carb usa which which hey, grew to you know a decent size, but it, it, it still wasn't the best place for it. So we migrated that over as well, and um, we got the new web builders to build us an, an, a really amazing search engine um, on this thing. That to you know, because on the local USA side, you could put in zip code, or if it was in a different country, you could put in city, and and that was it. That was it. You couldn't even put the person's name in. You couldn't put do anything. Now on, on the SMHP site, um, you, can, you can search on name, city, state, province, or state, you know, country. if it's in another country, mm. um, 
different categories and specialties of, of the, um, you know, you can look for someone that specializes in, in cardiovascular disease or, or whatever, and, and you'll, you'll get a bunch of, of um, so you could, you could do a search for cardiovascular disease, say, without putting the country in, and then you'd get a list of people anywhere in the world that, that you know, so you, you, you would have someone like Christine Malotra or something would come up and, and if he was, you know, if he's put his name in there, then it means he's got contact details in there, which means you can contact him and maybe do, you know, a, a virtual consultation or, some, or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been amazing to, to see how that's grown. We've got a couple of thousand um, doctors on there. Obviously, we, we, we want tons more. Um, but we keep putting it out there, like especially conferences and stuff like that. I can say, hey, how many of you are, have got your names on that on that list? You know, and like only a few people put their hands up and say, okay, I don't like phones in my in my in my conferences. But the minute you get outside there, you get online and you go and, and you go and, and you go and register with this, so that you so that it doesn't cost anything. The membership now to to be to become to be able to participate in the forums and to like we've got one coming up on Saturday. We have um, grand rounds uh, talks once a month and we package those together um, to be able to give the, the participants CME credits for that if they if they need it um, as I said I mentioned the forums and there's a couple of other things as well where you need to be a member and pay your fees in order like any professional organization in order to participate in that but to to enter your information as, as a practitioner and be listed there for someone to find that is open and free to anybody. So, mm -hmm. and then we have accreditation, um, which you then have to become a member to become accredited. But um, there's a bunch of training that you need to go through. There's actually a, a bunch of different pathways that we've defined. Somebody like Eric Westman, who's been doing this for 30 years, we can't tell him, Oh no, you have to go and do all of this training now. Um, so there are ways to to apply, you know, say using clinical experience as as a as a pathway. There is a, a, a education only uh, pathway, so they you know they have to go through a bunch of different courses and stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, you can um, on your on your in your um, listing on the on the provider database. Um, You'll have this super orange badge there that says accredited, which you can then display on on your um, uh, on your website and whatever you know on your practice, and you can use the credentials MHP so that uh, met metabolic health practitioner. So so many people are excited about that. In fact, one of the one of the doctors that has just opened a new practice, and she sent us a picture of her. Um, of, of the window like on, 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 on her new practice. And you can see her, her name with comma MD, comma MHP. And she like, <laughs> she's super proud of that. Um, so this, so, that, you know, from, from starting out with one conference um, to, to basically now being a part of actually legitimizing this entire community is—it's uh, been quite a journey. It's, when you when you're talking like that, it sort of feels like the tipping point is coming closer. Oh man, um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I, I feel that the sense of you know pride, you know that that contribution. So you know, there's chapter one. You know, Doug Reynolds was obviously low carb 
USA and building the community. So, you know, if you build it, they will come. And they did, you know, on a regular basis mm-hmm. to, you know, to share knowledge and be part of that sort of educative forum. But this part, you know, it feels to me, and from the passion in your voice, this is your legacy. You know, as you said, you were used the word legitimized, but you facilitated, you know, through the networks from Low Carb USA, you brought together these people. You know, you had access to Adele. You know, they came, you know, and they provided their knowledge and they brought that together. And you gave them that space to do this. You've uploaded it to, you know, to the website. So you, in a sense, were the broker of the knowledge. You know, you brought the people together. And that's a real gift to connect the dots for people. You know, you drew the strings in, not so much the puppet master, but you drew the people in and you built the safe space for them to come together. And and to me, that's that's a... That's, you know, again, something for you to be proud of, but it's a legacy as we move forward, as Jackie said, you know, we're in that tipping point now to to say we have a standard of care, we have agreed on these principles, so back off there, bud, you know, leave us alone. You know, we're making a difference. Right. Yeah, and, you know, it's giving, it, it, gives, it gives doctors courage. Some, some doctors... Who kind of realized that this that this was maybe important, but it's not standard of care. So they're not going to tell their patients about it because they're afraid of, of the legal ramifications. Now they they have this behind them, you know, and so so many more are now open, especially with the guidelines, you know, that they can go to um they can go to their patients and at least offer this as an option. We're not saying that, that everybody has to do this, but it has to be an option. And You're absolutely right. And that's really where, um, you know, we, we recently interviewed um, Nick Norowitz and that's what he was most angry about, you know, that, that it was not afforded him the opportunity to, to have this as an option. Mm-hmm. And as you know, his story, you know, he was a young man with, you know, osteoporosis and ulcerative colitis, you know, these are metabolic issues. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't given this. All he had was symptom management. He wasn't given something that would improve and affect and change the root cause of his conditions. And now there is this agreed, you know, standard or as a practice document, a guideline for, for metabolic health. Yeah, Nick, Nick's actually helped a lot with... Um a lot of stuff that's gone on in, within in the SMHP. He's, he was one, in fact, I think he was the very first guy to get, to get accredited. It was like, okay, what do I have to do? And he, he went and he did all of these courses. And um, the only thing he asked me for was like, hey, I'm still a student, basically, like um, uh, any chance I can get a discount. So I, I managed to arrange a, um, a discount for him uh, Actually, it's it's afforded to all our founding members now on the SMHP, but um, that they can get a, a significant discount on on the training. Um, but he just cranked through cranked through everything he needed. He went through a bunch of virtual. Uh, he was he attended both our virtual uh, conferences, but he, he still needed some more CMEs to to qualify to be accredited. And he went and he did everything he needed to do. 
and then he set the thing in like within a month it was he had he, he was accredited and he's super proud of that and it's 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 so cool to see a young person be so in, so inspired by this because most of us were kind of you know motive, most of these metabolic issues kind of evolve and and become apparent over time and it, to find someone okay he was sick but he inspires other young people who who can look at this and say hey i don't want to become sick yeah so how about we look at at our lifestyle up front and don't end up having to do something to try and and recover from some terrible illness that we that's manifested itself down the road as a, as a result of our chronic excessive carbohydrate consumption as dr robert sivers always says yeah and and he's going to go on and influence lots of other people at, at, at his medical school. Oh, yeah, Nick's Nick's going to be Nick's going to be a super influencer. He's he's been we he, he's got me involved in in trying to put on a couple of um, like Zoom sessions and stuff like that for students at at Harvard and that. Where he's starting his his uh, MD training. Yeah, soon August it must be like he's just uh, he's, you know, he's starting that he's starting uh, that August. weekend that the conference is on because he was supposed to come and talk. Uh, uh, so. Yeah. That, he, he was he was going to come and talk, but then he couldn't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be right up there amongst the most influential people in this in this space over time for sure. Um, he's been a great help, and I mentioned Rob Sivers, but that was he brought it up first. He's on our board of directors for the SMHP, um, but then Nick started pushing it as well. And so I'm working really hard on trying to um, actually establish and put in place a, a journal uh, for the SMHP as well, so that um, people will have a place to, to actually publish uh, papers and doc and um, articles and stuff that, uh, that they were maybe not able to get published before. Um, and we're going to start as the first thing we'll start doing is taking a bunch of, of case reports. So it'll get a lot of these practitioners an opportunity to to, pub, to publish a, a case report, something that they, um, some experience, great experience that they had in, in, in their practice. And obviously, you know, the more that we, as, as that builds out, that sort of, there's more and more and more and more stories coming out there that all of that just gives credibility to this and gives um, Back up to to the doctors that do, do offer this in, yeah. in their practice. When so when are the going back to the conference? When are the dates for the conference this year? Uh, so it's it's January twenty six to twenty eight. August, August. <laughs> uh, January. I, I said January because I was that, that's the other one. The next one is in is in Boca Raton, in Florida. Our Florida event. Um, I think it's the twelfth to the fifteenth of of January. Um, we hopefully will publish that page in, in a week or two. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, August 26 to 28. Excellent. That's in San Diego. In San Diego at the Wyndham Hotel, yeah. And online and streaming, yeah. And, and, li- and the live stream, obviously, as well, if, uh, mm. if people can't make it in person. So where can people go to find out about tickets? Okay, so they need to, if they go to uh, lowcarbusa.org, org that's important it's dot org not dot com um 
then there's a couple of different ways in the menus or further down and there's a, like a, a big image that you can click on to go to the San Diego event um, or look under events under the menu. And if you go to the San Diego event, then you can see all the amazing speakers that we've got lined up and everything. And then there's a place there that says, get your ticket now. One of the things you need to do is become a member. If you're not already, you need to become a member of La Carb USA. Um, it's, it's free. Um, but it's in order to be able to give people access to the live stream and everything, you have to, to have some kind of membership to some platform. And we, we've run the whole thing within local BSA's website. So you have to become a member. And, and before what we did, the first virtual event we did for in San Diego, what we did was, was let people register. And then what happened is if, if they weren't members, we would create a membership for them and send them an email with the, with the you know, temporary password to log in and everything. But I don't know how familiar you are with this stuff, but so many people don't open those emails. And so they think, okay, I'm registered now. And then the, the day, the morning of the conference, they, we've got like 300 people trying to log in who can't log in. And it was, it was a nightmare. So um, we decided that what we're going to do is make people actually create the membership themselves. So they have to select a password and, and sign in. And then only they, um, they're able to, um, to purchase the ticket. So then everything's set. And they, um, we did that for the, for the Boca one the, in January, the virtual Boca one in January. And it worked so much better. Like it took so much stress off our, off our support, support crew. Right. Um, well, let, let, let's just go back because um, Fabulously Keto mm -hmm. is, a is a code that they can use oh, to yeah. get 20% off. Um, so all your listeners can get 20% off. And that's, if they come in person, especially that's off the ticket of the meals. If they decide to, to, we have some, the chef does such amazing low carb meals and we've even got a carnival option as well. Um, so, and if they decide they want a CME certificate as well, then, then that 20% is, is, is off the entire basket basically. Um, so yeah, we encourage them to use that. The SMHP as well, if people want to look that up, we just migrated to, uh, I finally am able to, to get the, um, the URL, but it is the smhp.org. Um, and then they, they can go and, and learn about what that's all about and see whether, uh, you know, put the information in if they are a practitioner of some kind. And that's including health coaches and stuff like that, because they're a very important part of this community. Because a doctor will may convince their patient to that they need to change their lifestyle or change the way that they eat, but there needs to be someone that can help that person do it. And so um, they can now go and find a health coach that can that can help them do this if that's if that's the kind of help that they need. Um, so yeah, go and check out the SMHP. Um, maybe one thing quickly, if you don't mind. I, I, I was listening to, um, to your interview with uh, Brian Lenskes and you, you are, because he was talking about how he changed his practice now and it was so much less stress and everything. And you said to him, that's all very well for you, but what about the millions of people out there who 
can't change their jobs for whatever reason mm-hmm. and they're stuck in that thing and they what what do they do and one of the things that happened to me i was um i was interviewing rob wolf and just chatting after that after we'd finished with the with with the uh the podcast interview and i was telling him about my tbi and everything like that and um and he said to me he had just be, he'd become aware of of this thing about meditation and he had met this lady called emily fletcher who had created this thing called ziva it's just one of the forms of meditation but he had got involved in that and he said literally there's life before ziva and there's life after ziva that's how much of a difference it made to my life and i am um, i i sincerely advise you to to maybe take a look at it yeah and and so i did that i got hold of emily and and um and ended up doing her course and um I, you know i didn't see these monumental differences that 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 he talks about but i find myself going to bed in the evening looking forward to waking up so that i can meditate you know and it was like there has to be a reason for that it has to have brought something to my life that that i look forward to it um and you know i would i would go into um i went to to costco which is a discount store place and i i came I ran around and get get all the stuff i need and came around the corner and there was like 100 people in the in the checkout queue and it, and I, and and i just I stood there I got my phone out and I checked out a couple of things and when it took me like 45 minutes to get through the thing eventually got checked out and I got back to the car and I thought I would have imploded in before if if that if uh if I'd come around the corner and and that had happened to me before and I, and I hadn't even thought about it until I got back to the car and said wait maybe this either thing does actually work and and so what i wanted to talk about was was just you know we we becoming more and more aware of the fact that it's not um it's not just the diet that lifestyle sleep and you, you know all these other factors that that and stress especially that that pumps up the cortisol that all are big roadblocks to to being successful with this if if you're trying to just do the diet um and yeah um getting st- eliminating stress from your life is really important and if you can't change your job if you're not able to do like like Brian was able to do um that things like like that may may be something that you could look to um to maybe trying to help with that and it it, it seems to really have helped me and uh, it seems to have helped a lot of people so yeah i've got emily's book yeah no it's it's it's, it's quite a journey she's she's been on she's amazing i mean certainly intrigued with that um i might have to yeah do a little bit more research on that because yeah you know i was i was i mean when i interviewed her for i actually got her on and i did a podcast interview with her and i said to her straight i said i'm really skeptical about this i always just poo-pooed it i thought it was i thought it was nonsense even at the time that i did this interview with her and by the end of that interview i said to her, okay i'm i'm, I'm going to do this and and i did and i'm and i'm really thankful that i did it's okay. it's a really interesting thing because you know 
there are these big things in our life, you know, and you're saying that there certainly is what we eat, but it's everything else that sort of feeds into into our life. And as you said, at the fundamental, you know, it's about the adrenalines and the cortisol. So it is about our environment, the stress, um, you know, and you're saying about sleep, that all impacts on this. And having those meditative practices to get us grounded and centered, you know, is so important in you know, how we reframe and how we look at, at things. And I live in Bangkok, Thailand, and it's a Buddhist country and visiting temples as I do, um, you know, for the architecture. And I see the, the monks there and how they, they, they almost like they, they walk on air, mm. you know, they just have this serenity about them. And, you know, part of, you know, Buddhist practice is, is praying, um, you know, the sort of meditation and, and praying and, uh, the chanting. So on YouTube, when I'm working away, beavering away, um, and I have the Buddhist chants in the background and it does, it, it there's something surreal and serene and calming. You know, it could be, it's the frequency of the chanting even that it just gives you that sense of calm about, about your day. And it's, it's a bit uh, not to be flippant and disrespectful, but I just want to go up to the monks, which I can't do being a female. And I just want to sort of want to rub them and, you know, just can I have a bit of your serenity? Mm-hmm. You know, just to give me that sort of calm. But. Yeah, when I'm sort of walking in the temple grounds and I just sort of see them just going about their business, it's just like, oh, you know, there's something in that. But yeah, the I, Emily Fletcher and the Ziva stuff. Yeah, so really Emily, what, what she, she talks about the monks in that and says like, but, you know, they've, they've, the way that they practice is, is, is very different to what she teaches because, you know, if you want to become a monk, then, then, then that's fine and you can do all of that stuff. But... What's so amazing about it is that it's what she teaches is so portable. Like you don't need an app for it. You don't need anything. Within a couple of weeks, you literally can do it yourself and you can do it anywhere. You know, if you're traveling or whatever, you can be sitting waiting for your plane and and you can sit there and and um, as long as you hold on to your case so someone doesn't rip it away while you're sitting there with your eyes closed. Um, but you can literally be sitting there with your eyes closed and and she, it tunes out all the, all the outside noises and whatever and... and mm. Um, especially when you're traveling, I think next, I haven't traveled since, since I started this, but I, I, something I'm really going to try because that's another thing that stresses me out as well. Um, so it, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been, I suppose with, I never believed that carbohydrates, you know, weren't, weren't the, the most important nutrient in, in our diet. And I obviously changed my mind about that. So this is something else I changed my mind about. <laughs> it's amazing what you what you do when you, it's amazing when you're when you're open to certain things how life changes. It is incredible. You end up on a completely different path. Sorry, Louise, go on. Just circling back to your original statement about how you know your journey started, and you sort of mentioned about I've got Tim Noakes to thank for that. Yeah. So let's double take on that. But do you have Tim Noakes to thank for? Um, you know, for your low carb journey as well. Um, I, I think so because what happened? Um, what, I mean, he was my idol, right? And 
because I'd learned all this stuff about running from him and, and he was the guru. But then when we started doing the, the keto life uh, diet, um, it's like, I think with a lot of people, it was like on the, on the download, like we didn't tell anybody about it. We just like started doing it. Brian Lenske talked about doing that as well. Um, after about three months, we, I'd, I'd noticed so many profound differences already, improvements in my life, you know. And um, we were on the phone to my, to my mom and dad. And they were still in South Africa at that stage. They, they hadn't immigrated to, us, to Australia yet. And I started, so we basically finally fessed up and I started telling her um, that, that we were doing this. And she said to me, that sounds like the Tim Noakes diet. Um, and I thought, what are you talking about? And, but so now I went, I, while we were still on the phone to her, I rushed off and I got my laptop and I was like looking it up and, and sort of, you know, within an hour of getting off the phone, read his story about how he had done a complete 180. I mean, he, he, he was the very, he invented the very first goo that, for running, you know, the, the, the gels and stuff. Mm-hmm. He invented mm-hmm. the first one. That, that was his contribution to, to that. And, um, he built his entire reputation on teaching that carbohydrates are fundamentally important to, to endurance exercise. And, and now in his retirement, he's turning around and saying, I was completely wrong. And literally made a video of, of him tearing his pages out of his book, which is known as the runner's Bible, right? The law of running. Literally tearing the pages out and saying, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm going to rewrite, rewrite this book, basically, because um, I, was, I was wrong. And it takes such enormous courage for, for someone like that. He's, that he's, that's his whole reputation, right? And he's turned around and said, all my life, I was wrong. Um, that's huge. We need and, so many more people. Uh, and, so, and so once I saw that, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I knew then that I was doing the right thing. And I was totally convinced. Um, so yeah. And, you know, he's been so supportive of me. I contacted him. He did it. He agreed to do a, um, like a podcast interview or something with him, with him, like just before our first event, he, he wanted to come and speak, but wasn't able to get out there and, um, but agreed to do this. And we've got so involved with his, with his organization and the spinoff because the nutrition network, I think you said you've, you've done some training with them. Um, you know, he was on when he wasn't because he didn't need to travel. He would he he did a, a talk on our virtual event in in August last year. Um, yeah, he's been enormously supportive of us and and what we do, um, and it's it's been a pleasure to uh, to have him be a part of this. Hmm. Right. So before we finish up, what would you say are your three top tips to give any of our listeners? Um, I, yeah, I think the, the first thing is maybe, maybe, um, cause there's so many people that are skeptical about it is there's so many anecdotes out there now. There's so many people that this has helped. Um, and, and it, it, you mentioned it, like the changes happen so quickly that you can literally try it for a couple of weeks. And if you honestly don't see any any improvement or any change, then ditch it if you want to. But but don't be afraid to try it because it's it's it costs nothing. 
and and the changes that you'll see will happen so quickly um so so just do it i think you even heard me say that in in yeah go ahead and do in the it network. yeah and then i think the one of the things is we talked about community and i think that's so important is to find a community of people that that you can talk to and be a part like yeah, there are so many facebook groups out there and you know organizations and things depending on where you are in the world um find find a place with its an organization that's going to support you when you yeah. when you are unsure or you you do get a bit shaky or you are confused um instead of making the mistakes and you know learning by your mistakes the way we did um there's there's so much help out there that you can that you can there's people that you can lean on to uh to help you do this um and and you know and, and that will help you to be a part of i think the third thing is don't don't ever let peer pressure um talk you out of trying it Hmm. from your family and even more even importantly from your doctor go onto our website go under the smhp website and go and find a provider that is open to this conversation if your doctor is not open to this conversation he tells you you better stop this or you're going to die fire him immediately and go and find him or her uh um and and go and find one that will support you and 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 help you to do this because it 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 will it will change your life and um you can't you can't let someone else influence that and stop it yeah although i find i do find and i did find this personally for myself as well is that sometimes we go into something like low carb or keto whichever one it is and then we're not sure because we don't have all the information yet and so we let ourselves be talked out of it mm. by our doctor because we think they must know best, whereas they know one way. They don't know all the ways. They might know two ways, but they don't know all the ways. And that's where we can easily talk ourselves out of it. So I think sometimes you've just got to dig a bit further, dig a bit deeper and and find the science behind it because this is all backed up by science. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and that's the thing is that... The, doctors don't even know one way they don't know they they haven't been taught anything about nutrition at all like you'll they'll, they'll tell you you know maybe one half hour course or something maybe some at the best it was a six month course on nutrition or something and then they were all taught about carbs and fats bad and all that stuff but yeah. which was then the you know the wrong way but you you talk with any of them Brian or any, you know any of any of these doctors and they they had to go and learn it for themselves um because they were never taught it at, at at university or at school or whatever um they they had to go and learn for themselves and so and, and that's that's the serious these doctors that are advising people not to eat this way but they haven't got they haven't done any research and they haven't been taught that stuff they are they are regurgitating what they've heard around somewhere that fat's bad for you and and you know carbohydrates are good and and 
you just need to take your carbohydrates and and and, and take your insulin if you've got diabetes and they they're like <sighs> yeah most of the stuff they didn't they 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 weren't even taught it it's not like we can, they can blame their their training they, they most of it they weren't even taught it at school or at university they literally picked it up like the rest of us did right yeah you don't you can't you, all of these From things the that media. we used to think were true where did where did you ever learn that you, it wasn't written specifically down in some manual or something it, it, we just we just know right that that's that's the way it, it needs to be except that it's not the way it needs to be <laughs> yeah. you know so um yeah don't don't for, for this stuff don't trust your doctors and, unless they unless you know that they have done their research and they're open to this conversation because otherwise you, you, you you're going to do yourself a disservice yeah definitely thank you and it's really and it's really great that the um smhp actually gives people options you know that that's the fact that as you said you know if if they're not feeling if people aren't feeling supported that the smhp actually has different options so as you said there's more than more than one option that's available so yeah in in terms of in terms in terms of trying to get accredited you mean or options for people to to consult with other doctors. Oh right, yes, yes, exactly. So and and this especially because I think this one of the things, one of the good things maybe that came out of COVID, is that this virtual consultation concept sure. opened up so much yeah. more. So now you can look Probably up helps. you can look up a type of, of doctor that you're looking for and, and find there's only one in Australia, Absolutely. you know, and and yours mm. in the US. But you can contact that person and, and maybe still have a consultation with them and get some help from them. Absolutely. Um, and and yeah. I, I think that's mm. that's brilliant. And like I said, one of the good things mm. that's come out of COVID yeah. is is telehealth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Jackie, you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to thank Doug for his time and thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, that's been a pleasure. Sorry, I talked so much. Never apologize on a podcast. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually don't you. actually normally talk much, but when I get going on this stuff, it's like, aren't oh, you stop me? Hmm. Well, yeah. it's been a pleasure. And so thank you for your contribution and creating community. You know, it's a real legacy that you're leaving. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Jackie, I think Doug's story really is a testament to community. So I see that he's really built that community through Low Carb USA in terms of education and providing education, not only to the health professionals, but to people like yourself and myself who would attend conferences because we're committed to, to our health and well-being. And then that mm-hmm. spin-off to the SMHP, um, Society for Metabolic Health Practitioners, is another great community where people you know, somebody like yourself, um, you know, who can join and feel the community collective, you know, in terms of the consensus statement around carbohydrate um, restriction. So I think it's going to have a really huge influence on standard of care because of if there is a standard of care for low carbohydrate diets, that will then start to influence out into the whole of the medical profession because there will be a separate standard of care to the one that currently exists. And that's right. And I think that there's not only is there community the safety in numbers, but 
having a identity, as we know, having our tribe and finding our tribe and knowing that there are like-minded people there, whether you are a health practitioner, whether you're just a lay person who's committed to their health and well-being, but finding your community and there's a collective sense of identity and, as you said, that publication of, this, of the consensus statement for um, low-carbohydrate diets as a therapy really gives that sense of I identify with that standard of care practice. So I think that there's that evidence basis, which everybody is saying, well, there's no evidence for it. Well, that's not true. And as you sort of said in, um, in the intro, you know, Doug has built that repository through the, the SMHP. So there's that as a resource, you know, in terms of the education that happens at Low Carb USA. So what we have is another resource um, from the events and conferences that, you know, is building that community of knowledge as well and practice. Mm. And what's also important is how somebody responds when they're on a low carbohydrate diet is very different to somebody who's on a high carbohydrate diet and i think the sm hp hp <laughs> get it around the right way um will evolve uh to cover those points so that i think medical practitioners who are dealing with somebody who is on a low carbohydrate diet will be able to go there and and get some help and some resources to to help their patients what's really good i had a little look around um the smhp.org website and it has a directory and it was really good because i actually typed in my hometown um, adelaide in south australia and it was really good to see names there you know that people worldwide so it's not obviously for folks outside of north america that there are uh, other practitioners that have signed up for it so that's that's really encouraging to again build that community resource because you know there's nothing worse than feeling alone in your journey that nobody understands me and no perhaps medical practitioner understands what I'm going through increasingly we have seen uh, you know names you know we've got a Sam Mahotra of course we've got David Unwins in the UK Peter Bruckner in Australia uh, Lucy Burns in Melbourne Melbourne Australia as well so there's loads of folks out there Mary Barford. Yeah, and, you know, we'll be interviewing another GP coming up as well. So it's really great that we actually have, uh, you know, part of our community, these like-minded folks. Or not forgetting our friendly pharmacists, our de-prescribing pharmacists, Graham Phillips, Ian Lake, you know, with people that we've interviewed on our previous podcasts. So it's it's fantastic that... Um, Doug is obviously organising, certainly, coming up. You want to give us the dates, Jackie? Yeah, I was also going to just say, don't forget about Dr. Sarah Myhill. Of course. Yeah. So the dates um, for Low Carb San Diego. Now, as Doug said in the um, interview, it is online and it is live as well. So for those of you in the US, you might want to consider traveling to San Diego. If you're coming from outside the US, you do need to be vaccinated. So the 26th to the 28th of August 2020. Um, if you want to book a ticket, go to lowcarbusa.org and you put in the code fabulouslyketo and get a 20% discount. 
Then we've got coming up in January um, on the East Coast in Boca Raton, 12th to the 15th of January 2022. I wrote 2021, but it's 2022. Another year gone by. I know. But don't forget, you may not be attending in person, Jackie, but you can attend online. So, um, yeah, that's, that's you know, especially for folks like me in Thailand. So, um, yeah, that might be an option for me to be able to do that online. So yeah, and they've got a great lineup. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. And as we sort of said about the smhp.org for the Society for Metabolic Health Practitioners, and really we, as as Doug said, you know, and there's lots of parallels. He has Tim Noakes to thank both, I think, for his personal journey, and I think we can't forget that part of the puzzle because if it wasn't for, you know, the carb loading Tim Noakes turning Doug around doing a massive 360 and now low carb keto Doug, um, you know, he wouldn't have built the community that he that he has, um, which is really fantastic. And um, yeah, so thank you, Doug. He should be really proud of what he's been building. I, I thought it was really interesting how he said he felt really fit until he started carb loading mm. and then he felt really ill. So for anyone who's an athlete out there who is carb loading, Maybe, you know, just start being aware of how you feel and whether that's a good thing for you to do or not. And this is from the man that was, I love this, exquisitely fit. So um, I wish I was exquisitely fit, but um, we're, we're all works. I wish I could run. Yeah, a, I know, we're all works in progress, aren't we? <laughs> run 100 oh, miles a week. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. so Jackie, where we can we get the show notes for this episode? So the show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero four six. Great. Hey, Jackie. You know, when you were starting out with keto, you probably had loads of questions. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Don't you wish you just had someone who was able to give you just the simple answers to all those questions about macros, electrolytes, reading nutrition labels and sweetness? Absolutely, yeah. Well, we want to have an episode where you, dear listener, can AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything. You'll be able to ask us anything using a Fabulously Keto webpage where there is a contact form and you could submit your questions, which we will answer on these episodes. The contact page is fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. Whether you're just starting out or experienced in your journey, we will happily answer your questions. You don't have to be new to keto, so if you're further along in your journey and have questions on being stuck on a plateau or a stall, then feel free to submit your questions as well. Just head over to www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Follow us on social media. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know that you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post 
using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. Mm -hmm.